Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric with respect to host Robert. Hello. We did something this weekend. We're going to save that for the main segment. But in the meantime, a lot more previews, a little drip, drip, drip about 10th edition, a lot more faction focus, and a few uh, sneaky uh, releases. They talked a little bit about um, the Gaunts as well as the Space Marines in separate articles. And of course, um, even though they are Horus Heresy models, some popular models getting a semi-plastic treatment. So very active week in Warhammer this week. So you're mentioning the Mastodon actually getting some plastic love. Yeah, just because it's out of all of the Space Marine vehicles that I've seen, it's having a Mastodon would just be outright funny because it's just, okay, here, transport 40 dudes. Why do you need to transport 40 dudes? I don't know. Also, this thing is legitimately the size of a football. It is, and I've had to play against it several times because uh, good old Don Mastodon Hoosen uh, used to bring his, um, what did he have in there originally? I think it was Space Wolves. So he had it filled yeah, it was, it was Wolfen. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is not going to be fun. But um, actually it was. It was actually a very interesting puzzle to try and solve. So uh, the, the interesting, the not so interesting bit of that puzzle is like the $600 price tag. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's coming down or not, but at least there's some plastic parts to it. I guess the weapons are now plastic and a few other parts there, but... um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's still... Here's your two pounds of resin. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. But interesting that we still have not seen any... If there will be a 10th edition update. I'm assuming, you know, Forge World models will get a 10th edition data slates as well, but Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything to confirm that. So a little concerned if that's if you holding on to some Forge World goodness, uh, it may or not be uh, viable in the new edition. Well, I mean, my my Custodes are realistically the only army that does that, because my Knights, the Moiraxes, sure, but I replace those with Stalkers. The Orcs, I don't have a single Forge World model outside of the Warboss on bike, and even then, I'm just going to play the big guy Thraka anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's um, not so much of a loss for me for those armies, but the the Custodes definitely lose out on some cool toys like Caladiuses and Sagittarium. But the, the Sagittarium can easily be replaced with more sword and board dudes or wardens or whatever, depending on points. Yep. So, so speaking of new rules coming out, let's get, let's get into it. Uh, several of you have written in, appreciate uh, all the reviews, trying to keep up with all the faction focuses, uh, foci, I guess. I'm not sure how the plural focuses. And so if you're saying too early to speculate, well, we're not saying based on a faction focus, you should buy or sell an army or worse, set it on fire. But um, there is sometimes you get a drip of information and then you go, oh, let's go back to the old uh, faction focus and rethink what we thought. And none other than that, uh, Demons came out uh, this week, and uh, they had a few interesting things to talk about. Yep. The, I remember when this, faction, when this focus came out, I was actually just passively hanging out at a store when I heard a guy who, yeah, no, I just started buying Nurgle Demons, and then this all came out, and blah, blah, like kind of complaining about how Ninth said, oh, you generally only want to play one, one um, demon faction but that blocks out the 75% of your codex or whatever the, the, Oh, well I'm going to play all corn, but it's super boring because you know, corn demons run up and punch things. Right. So 
the the army rule for them that they showed off is probably the most dynamic feeling out of all of them so far because they have the shadow of chaos and this actually affects the table state rather than your units so for your legions demonica so they still have a generic branding for demon your deployment zone is always considered to be within the shadow of chaos and then at the start of any phase if you control at least half four half of the objective markers in no man's land until the end of the phase your no man's land is covered in this shadow and then it repeats for your opponent's deployment zone the reason why that's important is it actually one messes with how your demons can come in from reserves because demons being demons they can still deep strike innately um but instead of coming in outside of nine they can come in outside of six as a general stamp it, as long as you come within the shadow of chaos and a, go ahead no saying then that is the detachment rule so it's interesting to see down the road when the codex comes out if other detachments lose that ability mm-hmm. but right now the uh, d- demonic incursion detachment rule yeah you, if you're within so basically a short version is um you start making an early play to start taking over objectives, all of a sudden you're deep striking into your opponent's army. It's it's very powerful, and uh, there's more to come. <laughs> more mm-hmm. fun with that little mechanic. Yeah, so the, the other parts of this is the, the manifestation. So it's, this is a this is a classic rule, because everyone loved it for when you had banners and units. When you roll a Bioshock test, um, and you add one to the, so that each time this unit takes a Bioshock test, you add one to the result. You add one to the test, and if you pass, one model in that unit regains D3 wounds. If it's battle line, you bring back D3 models. So the classic thing of 8th edition demons where, oh, hey, I need to take morale, but you can't fail morale. I can't fail morale, but if I roll a one, I get D6 guys back. So pretty handy. Uh, it's, it's. I think this might be... The closest we're going to get to summoning in the new mm-hmm. edition, it seems like summoning it seems to be uh, dead in the water. But uh, like you said, uh, I have to look again if they included the cost of banners and whatnot into the last codex. I think they were all stock, basically, if it's in the box, it's in the unit type, mm-hmm. type approach. Yeah, because there was no point in not giving the demons a banner. Um, but then the last half of it is terror. So it's something that they carried over from the ninth edition thing where I vaguely remember demons being able to also tank your leadership by being within a certain range and being scary. So when you're, when an enemy unit would take a battle shock test, you subtract one from the test. And if they fail, they take D3 mortal wounds on top of being broken. So it's adding, adding salt to the wound of, <laughs> Hey, I spooked you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not holding the objective. You're losing guys. That's, um, it's an interesting little twist there, plus the, the minus one. So it's going to happen more often. So it's kind of like, oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's just their generic army rule. So no matter what detachment you play, those three things are what's going to be attached to all of your models, which I think is super flavorful because the the way demons work is, yeah, they they incurs against something that they want and they try to pull it into the warp, which is absorbing it into the shadow of chaos. Okay. If you're able to push that back for a while, you no longer become scared and they can't maintain their physical presence. So they just poof away. 
No, I really like this. I always like armies that have ways of uh, mm-hmm. entering the battlefield from reserves and in unique ways. And this is this definitely is right up my alley. This is really really cool. Um, I know a lot of the things that have been introduced in the tenth seem to be borrowed from fifth uh, edition, and I'm just like, thank goodness they did not bring back the old <laughs> demonic insertion. That was that was goofy, and um, left a lot of feel bads. So, oh, like scatter tables and stuff like that. No, you had to divide your army into into half, and you had to. It had there was all these. St- speculation it wasn't points i think it was by number of models had to be as close to as even as possible or number of units excuse me and then you say which one is your preferred wave so i was like this pile of models is what i want to come in and this other is my backup and you roll the dice at the start so at the start of the game you do not deploy only your opponent deploys and then so when it's your turn you roll the dice on a three up your preferred wave comes in but on a one or two the other wave comes in first and then everything deep strikes. <laughs> ah, it's just like the Gene Steeler cult blip situation. Very your much opponent so. can go have Your opponent can go have lunch while you're deploying your army. Yeah, in his movement phase. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. So, but um, I'm, so I like this. It's pretty neat, and um, we finally get. To, so I know your Chaos Space Marine players are like, wait, wait, wait. Um, how do demons and Chaos Space Marines work together? Uh, they finally talked about that. Actually, we missed it, by the way, Robert. Apparently, the allies' rules was talked about in the Adeptus Arabites article. Apparently, they explained, ah. they explained how they would work in 40K, even though it was a boarding action article. So I was like, oh, okay. So this seems to be yeah. the, the, the rule across the board. So it's better seeing what you can combine together. So what eric is getting at is everyone loves to soup right i would totally love to bring the bash brothers of mortarian magnus Angron, and then eventually fulgrim but abaddon will do for now um but obviously that kind of ally system doesn't work anymore so now we've gone to this weird like battle brothers thing for arc of omen and it's point restrictive and specific things blah blah blah, blah like whatever they've simplified it down to you're playing a 2000 point game 500 points of your army can be X thing, which in this case of demon, um, it's your, you can have up to 500 points of demons in your chaos space Marine army. And there's some of the usual stipulations of if you're world leaders, you can only bring corn thousand sons, Zinch, death guard, Nurgle. And the one thing that makes me laugh is they go, if your warlord is Lucius, the eternal, just, Give us the Emperor's Children book already. Darn it. <laughs> Make it easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they made us wait a year and a half to give the Chaos Space Marines a second wound, do you really think they're going to give us Emperor's Children this far in advance? No way. So No, no, it has to be perfect. It has to be excessively perfect. Yes, indeed. It wouldn't be fluffy if it wasn't. Gold trim pages, and it's a $75 codex. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so it's if you bring just generic Chaos Space Marines and your Warlords, like something Abaddon or something, it's 500 points of demons. So you can mix and match, and you can still bring your X amount of Zinch Flamers if they're going to be nutty like they were. But yeah, soup isn't gone, but it's very much controlled. Right. Which is kind of nice, because there were several times I, I, I was building armies where my patrol detachment of allies was like almost 900 points so 
Um, <coughs> Harley Quinn's with Craft Worlds. No idea what you're talking about. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, what's so, One new yeah. rule that came out is the uh, new uh, keyword, I should say, is extra attacks. Why, yes. Um, we can easily pick on whichever model we want, but we'll just read off the Keeper of Secrets because that's where we actually see it with an entire stat line. So it settles a lot of issues of, oh, everyone gets to make an attack with every single profile or whatever. No, no, that's dumb. We're not doing that. We're not giving Rebute Gilliman 21 attacks. <laughs> so you may want to look at those data sheets again, specifically for Abaddon and uh, Gilliman. And I forgot there was a few others. But yeah, when you have multiple close combat weapons, you can only choose one to swing with per phase. The demons, on the other hand, if they, or any weapon for that, I should say, uh, has the extra attack keyword. That is an exception to the rule. So this kind of shows, like, they kind of allude to cavalry, where the rider has this many attacks, and then the steed has these many extra attacks. Uh, mm -hmm. The Keeper of Secrets, of course, uh, he's, she's got the sword, snapping claws, as well as a ritual knife. So altogether, she has 13 attacks, but uh, six of one, four of the second, and three of the third. So. And they're all, they all hit on the same number. They're all roughly the same strength bracket from six to eight, and they're all AP the same. The difference is that once you, when you swing with the sword and you hit with the claws, which the claws have devastating wounds, by the way, so that's mortal wounds, right? Yeah, mortal wounds on sixes. You have a whole bunch of saves that do three damage, and then you have potentially 12 mortal wounds if you somehow roll four sixes to wound with the snapping claws. Yeah. So your big demons are still pretty big. The Some of the other quality of life changes for demons, um, sadly, the demon save is gone for demon players. Yay for everyone else. <laughs> but they are back to what looks like having an invulnerable save and just kind of a generic number across certain demons like a four up for big guys and maybe a five up for little ones but um just easy bookkeeping much easier bookkeeping one thing that is a little disappointing the keeper secrets does not have it but bellacor does is uh the warp locus i believe it was called where if they were on the table you could use them as a deep strike portal now bellacor has is a little different the aura on the battlefield within six inches of this model is considered to be within your army's shadow of chaos. So wherever Bellacor is, it's chaos land. But unfortunately, Keeper Secret does not have that. So we'll have to see if the other mm -hmm. larger demons have that ability. But um, put Bellacor down, you can still deep strike in uh, within uh, six inches of him. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and Bellacor is very much... I think we're seeing a trend where epic hero, epic hero models, so Rebute, Abaddon... Bellacor, they usually have some table of abilities that they get to pick from. So like the, the shadow form, you pick one of them at the start of the battle round. So if you go first or second, you can pick or choose what you need. And the second one is like Paul of Despair. So it's Bowshock Step during the opponent's command phase. If an enemy unit is below their starting strength and within six inches of Bellacor, don't know why you'd be alive and be that close. <laughs> mm, uh, the that unit has to take a battle shock test, and for purposes, if the starting strength of the unit is one, so like a character or something like that, it is considered to be below starting strength while it has lost one or more wounds. Um, 
very much a late game kind of thing where you're trying to have the Bellacor, who is OC5, take an objective from like three intercessors. Um, his other one is Shadow Lord. It's an aura and it's psychic. So if you're not affected by psychic powers, all of this stuff kind of just goes away. While a friendly Demonica unit is within six of him, you can reroll Battle Shock and Leadership Tests for the Demon unit. But I think the most important one is his first one. It's Wreathed in Shadows. While a friendly Demonica unit is within six inches of this model, your that unit can only be targeted by a ranged attack if the attacking model is within... Yeah, I don't long range fire at him, despite his big billowy wings. It's not just a him. It's... Um, I don't know if people have seen it in a while... But the the Turvagon octopus or Turvagon starfish of just here's my like 200 gaunts and they're all tied back to this one or two Turvagons and I can replenish unit replenish models from that unit once or twice every turn. That has this stipulation where it's not wholly within six it is just within six. So you can have a unit of blood letters potentially string out from Bellacor and be just outside of 18 inches until your opponent walks forward and then they don't wipe the unit and then the next turn you have an easy like six inch charge or something right so overall i'm, I'm really liking demons um the corrupt real space uh, stratagem is kind of neat it uh, makes it's an upgrade it's interesting that it um, helps all models but it seems to be much more effective if you have a mark of neural uh basically um Objective marker is said to be corrupted and remains under control even if you have no models within range until your opponent controls it at the end, start or end of any turn. In addition, while that objective marker is corrupted and under your control, the area of the battlefield within six inches of the objective marker is considered to be within your army's shadow of chaos. And we're, we're seeing this trend of every army is getting a stratagem like this where you can just go this is my objective and you will always hold that objective so p so players can walk away from it if they're willing to spend a command point which is a big part of the boarding action rules apparently so it's interesting that they for arcs of omen on the balanced data slate gave it to space marines hey test it out so it was interesting it was one of those well why don't you only give it to the good die marines and not all the marines but whatever I think there's one to see how they did. So I think this is going to be a trend for 10th edition. Yep. And like in general, the the sticky objectives and touching different parts of the table is going to become that much more important because we get to the next army, which is someone that you would expect to have running and screaming towards your opponent, yelling, repent thy sinners. Oh. And it's, it's, sisters of battle and all we've seen for like the last year and a half maybe two years almost is here's my bloody rose i run at you with like 24 repentia and i hopefully eat you for breakfast <laughs> and then just while we're on that topic i'm kind of come around on this since we've started this coverage of 10th edition of losing sub factions because that was always the problem you know like um let's say louise from uh from ant-man gets you know dude i got your codex I'm like really cool what's in it oh man it's totally broken you should try this like when if you use the blue guys they got this uh-huh and the red guys they're pretty situational which one do you play again i played the green guys oh sorry man they just kind of suck so it's like uh i spent all this time building the sub faction that i like and you kind of get dealt a bad hand or you're kind of forced to it's good 
but the other one is so much better. Now mm-hmm. it's just like find the detachment you want, and it it see that plays closest to the play style you want to be playing. So yeah, I've painted my Marines this color. It doesn't have to be that chapter anymore. So I'm mm-hmm. sort of warming up to that. Um, yeah, like the a perfect example is actually the custodian because oh everyone is emperor's chosen because we don't have a normal paint scheme. Okay, that's a yeah, one that, way to look at it. Yep, uh, literally, literally blanket statement of yeah, we we're this sub faction because reasons, reasons, but yeah. we're we're here to talk about sisters. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, another new addition, a new um, <laughs> acts of faith and miracle dice mechanic. Never so, um, this one, the the table of how you got miracle dice was a, like simple. One of your characters dies, you destroy a unit, a unit is destroyed, whatever. Like a whole bunch of reasons for you to get random miracle. This one, it is two bullet points. You get one at the start of each turn, and every time one of your units is destroyed. So you bring simple units of like five, maybe ten sisters. That's like easily three units that you can just throw away for three miracle dice. And it still functions the same way. So as you roll a d6, the miracle die is that value, and you hold on to that in a pool. And then performing act of faith, this is usually where it gets a little wacky of how many dice you have to I thought they cleared it up pretty well, though. And it's going to be interesting, too, because in the past it was, I'm going to save all my sixes for attacks, and I'm going to save all my ones for leadership tests. Well, now Battleshock, you got to roll high, too. So not sure what you're going to yeah. do with those ones now. <laughs> so effectively, it works the same way. So when you want to perform an act of faith, you have to do it before you roll any dice, obviously, because you can't pick and choose. And if you want to do something like a charge roll or a Bioshock test, um, instead of using two, so you could have unfailable 12-inch charges or unfailable 9-inch charges, you pick one die, put it in there, and then you roll the other one. So that makes it so that way you can still fail charge rolls and you can still fail Battleshock tests, potentially. But otherwise, it's now a, instead of going, here's this number, I don't have to roll dice for it. You could potentially still fail. And it makes it a lot less feel bad for your opponent accidentally walking out of position and getting down. So less feel bads. I do like it. It's clarified it. Because I want to say this is how I think Slanesh had an ability like this. It was only one die. But um, yeah, this. Oh, I need a 12 inch charge? Yeah, no problem. It's good enough. <laughs> Wait till the, the faith builds up enough. We're good. And um, yeah, it was it was something like you spend demon points or like what some resource to go. I'm just going. Oh, it was like um, no, it was a zinch thing where you roll two dice, you reroll one, and then the second dice clones the other one. Like it's this weird like yeah dice remember. interaction. Remember, Otto the Prince was another one. It's like okay, it's six plus put a one die. I was like oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. As he comes in from reserve and just bonks my army. Okay, cool. So the the list that they have is seven bullet points. Just anything that you think you would have to roll a die for. Advancing, charging, damage, hit, save, wound, and battle shock. So no mention of morale or leadership tests. But, I mean, that falls into battle shock. Uh, There are leadership checks. So we'll have to Mm -hmm. see if that uh, changes things up. Also, don't see anything like... Actually, hit... Um, variable damage. I don't see that. Yeah, there's a, a damage roll. Damage, sorry, damage roll. Yeah. And or number of shots either. I don't see that. 
Yeah, you can't do it for number of shots, and you actually realize that they put the things you could use it for in alphabetical order. Oh, very handy. So they, they go all the way up to D, and then they just skip to H, then S, then W. <laughs> but the So we get to the actual detachment rule that they're starting out with, and it's the Blood of Martyrs. Every time you want to make an attack, you add one to the hit roll if you're below starting strength. So like a the current 9th edition Yanari thing of... Oh, I am missing a model from my unit. I get plus one to hit, and you don't get the the fighting first bit, but it's still plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Yep, that's and as well if you're below half strength. So if you have a unit of ten sisters and you're down to four, for the purposes, well, so it's um, so yeah, add one to hit roll if it is below starting strength, and add one to wound if you're below half. So you get more dangerous as you have less models to compensate for the lack of firepower. And like I said, uh, seems like everything in 10th is a redo of 5th edition. This is a nice way of streamlining because the 5th edition way it was doing was um, a lot of times to do their version of act, uh, Acts of Faith was you had to roll either above or below the number of models. So for example, things that you needed to be defensive about, like I want to ch- you could change their armor save to an invulnerable save. You had to roll higher mm-hmm. than the number of un- models in the unit. The idea is the last few are going to be really praying to stay alive, whereas other ones you had to roll under. This makes it super simple. So no rolls, no, it just, okay, I lost a person, I'm plus one to hit, below half, I'm plus one to wound. It's kind of cool. Okay. Yep. And following the trend, we get to see our the first big character for sisters and that's the triumph of saint catherine the the funeral procession that decides to come to war yeah um so it is an epic character an epic hero and it has the same kind of thing where it's a table of six things and you pick what two yeah yeah, you pick two abilities because this thing doesn't have any other ability so it's like um getting an automatic six on a miracle die pumping leadership by one um perform two acts of faith which could be um Add one to the attack characteristics of rapid fire weapon, um, a six up feel no pain, and also lethal hits. So it's definitely turns the triumph into like a humongous buff piece rather than the strange like one off character. Now, many of you sisters players are probably crying into your uh, chalice there, going like, "I used to have so many faith points. Where am I going to get faith points now? Only when I lose stuff that stinks." Well me down look at the battle sisters data slate and uh, oh that's where you get your miracle dice from wonderful so the the little cherub that people would always bring and then forget about because they would it would give that unit a specific miracle die for that turn and blah blah blah. okay you the cherub now replaces the miracle die that you used for an act of faith for that unit so it's Okay, I use this six for an advance roll. I re-roll a new one, and I lose the cherub. Okay, cool. And the simulacrum, when the unit's destroyed, you get an extra miracle die. So that's already two for this unit of girls being wiped off the table, because there's still only toughness three. Actually, it's for each unit you uh, is destroyed by this bearer. Oh, so I was thinking of it backwards. Yeah. So You kill something you... with the sister squad, 
you getting a point. Okay, yes, I had it backwards. So yes, and then the Defenders of the Faith, at the end of the command phase, for each objective marker that you control that has one or more um, units with the Defenders of the Faith ability, you gain a Miracle Die. So on like a six objective mission, you could potentially get five Miracle Dice at the start of your turn. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's nuts. Um, but I think the, the thing about this article that got everyone's attention is our favorite organ tank yeah we got our first look at indirect fire as well so yeah um so the exorcist the range got shortened from 48 to 36 and to give you the keywords for those of you that have wrote them wrote them down at home to keep track it has blast it has heavy it ignores cover it has indirect fire so the indirect fire ability it is a a minus one to hit and the target gets the benefits of cover so it does effectively the same thing of making it harder to hit and your target gets a better save uh <laughs> the the conflagration rockets ignore cover and they're heavy so you sit still you get plus one to hit so it just kind of went why'd we bother i was so mad when i read this i was like oh no like the the difference here is is that strength five no AP and it's three d six shots. It's not meant to easily punch through tough armor saves like Space Marines or anything else. It'll do it, but it'll take a lot of shots. Whereas the Exorcist, the actual scary missile, is d six plus two, only heavy and indirect. It does not ignore cover. So if you're a Space Marine, you go from having a 3-up save to a 4-up save against the big missile, which is multi-damage. So no real changes here from 9th edition, but it's it, other than I think 9th edition was plus 1 armor save, so now you're just getting cover. So Well, the yeah, the 9th the edition change was instead of it being a minus 1 to hit, it changed your ballistic skill to 1 worse. Yes. And then you would get a minus 1 to hit if you were shooting through dense cover. So it made things really, really hard to hit. So, and yeah, the the stratagem that they showed off um, is actually a reactive stratagem. So it's during your opponent's shooting phase, after the enemy has resolved all of its shooting attacks for a unit, um, when sister's unit from your army that had... So basically it's, oh, you kill the sister. You now activate that unit and it shoots at it. <laughs> so we've heard rumors of these things coming out. Here we go. It's starting to happen. So, yeah, a lot more reactive plays. Um, it's not really a fight on death, per se, but it is sort of a, yeah, I'm shooting in your shooting phase. So it's very interesting. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things of, let's say, an exorcist was out in the open and did the conflagration missiles and took down a single sister, and you kill a sister with a bolt gun. Oh, the sister squad has two meltaguns in it. We're going to shoot back at this exorcist and ended up rolling really high damage on the meltaguns. Oh, looks like we picked up your exorcist and that a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so pretty cool effect. Um, so we'll see if that's a multiple armies getting something similar to that or is that going to be kind of unique to sisters, but... It's pretty cool. So, Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right. This is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're 
great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extreme House podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indeed. So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Well, all I have to say is that's a grudge, though. <laughs> So, as, yeah, we move on to the next uh, faction, Leagues of Votan. And this one uh, was interesting because, uh, again, if we remember, this is the army that got nerfed before they get, they came to the table. So what did they do when they had time to think about it? Well, now instead of having to give up three beards worth of anger, you only have to give up two. So... The, the judgment tokens are still here, and your unit, the enemy unit can either have one or two of them. If you have one, you get plus one to hit against the enemy unit. If you have two, you get plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Nice, straightforward, no automatic wounds, no, like, no ignoring and vulnerable saves, like none of this. But that's going to help with what they actually did to the army which as far as I can tell from the data sheets, this now shoots just as good as Tau. Yeah. Because they hit on fours. But the the detachment rule is ruthless efficiency, just like how Votan always have been. At the start of the battle, you select one of your opponent's units, and it just automatically starts with two judgment tokens. Like, you really, really hate this one. And at the start of any command phase, uh, if the enemy is destroyed, you get a number of command points depending on how early you wipe the unit. And this is the first instance besides... Because Abaddon only really regained one CP at turn for his Dark Pack thing, right? I believe so. Yeah. This is the first instance of people gaining more than one command. Because if you somehow have the the chosen unit destroyed at the start of the first second command phase, you get three command. I, oh, why would I gain three command points? Is it not capped? Well, it is capped. So the it actually puts it in parentheses of... You can only gain CP in this way once per battle, and the CP gained in this way are an exemption 
to the core rules that limit the maximum number of CP you can gain per battle round. So yeah, you only get one command point back every turn. So, so we clarified that, but um, it should definitely also got to see the data slate and said, yeah, as Robert alluded to, that we bit surprised. Uh, Hearthkin warriors have dropped a ballistic skill four, so they're hitting on fours. And uh, nice wide array of their weapons, so we have a pretty good idea what's going on there. But um, some of their abilities I thought were kind of interesting as well. Yeah, because the way the box comes, it gives you basically everything. The the good old med pack that used to go, oh, I blink the first save that I fail. Whoop de do. Uh, is now just a constant six up, feel no pain. Okay, I wish if they you it the get... other way. <laughs> Yeah, um, if you give the Thane, so the Sergeant, the Wave, the Wee Field Crest, he gets a four up invuln. Just him, not the unit. So that's an important thing. Um, if you have the Comms Array, when you target the Hearthkin with a stratagem on a five up, you get a command point, which is really neat because that's not a refund. Well, it's pseudo refund, but every time you target with a strat. So if you built up like three command points, you go one command point for this. Do I get it? One command point for this. Do I get it? You can actually kind of game how you get CP that way. Uh, The pan spectral scanner um, gives you the ignore covers rule. And they are one of the first units that I've seen that naturally have the sticky objective rule attached to the data card, unless I've missed one somewhere. don't think so. I think they're the only ones. Because it's luck has, need keeps, and toil earns is at the end of your command phase. So if the Hearthkin Pioneers still get their pregame move, and if they have this, it still works the same way. Uh, at the end of the command phase, if you're in range of an objective marker, you retain control on the objective, and your opponent has to come knock down your banner to come take the objective at the start or end of any turn. So you control it for the entire turn, not just a fate. So pretty handy for a very elite army. So it's just like, uh-oh, they're pretty sticky. And everyone's favorite land bus does the same exact thing as like some of the Eldar tank, the the Falcon, I think it was, had yes. the fire support thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that the land fortress has that. I got a good look at some of the weapons too, like the uh, aforementioned Magna Rail. That was something everybody... The crazy spillover damage uh, doesn't say anything about that. It has devastating wounds and heavy, but it's a one shot hitting on fours, strength 18, EP minus four, D6 plus six damage. So mm-hmm. I don't. So it's. Yeah, I don't think you're firing this at a Marine squad anytime soon. <laughs> well, it's. If they still have the ability to have, like, let's say you bring Uthar, if Uthar still has the ability to change a six change one die to a six somewhere. You could save that for the Magna Rail and go, yeah, I make this a six to wound. You take D6 plus six mortal wounds to the face. Yeah. <coughs> so they touched on the uh, conversion beamers if more than 12 inches away. You um, I got f- uh, critical hits on a four up, which is pretty nasty. But I mean, back in the day, that thing had like four range profiles. So I think it was really hard to keep track of. So they made it pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And this is actually another instance of difference of sustained hits D3. So it's you only get one shot with it. But if you roll a six at within 12 or at max range, you roll four or higher. It's D3 extra hits. So kind of cool. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, stratagem uh, reactive reprisal. Once again, another reactive type thing. Uh, uses when your opponent's shooting when your opponent's shooting face just after an enemy unit has one or more joke. Excuse me, judgment tokens. Is what I'm trying to say has resolved its attacks. One legal Votan unit from your army can be selected as the target of one or more of those attacks. Your leagues of Votans can shoot as if they were in your shooting phase, but it must target the enemy that just attacked it. So again, another, you shoot mm -hmm. me, I shoot you back. The The difference with this one versus Sisters is the Sisters one was one CP, and you had to have a model be destroyed. So in this case, you don't have to lose any models, you just have to be shot at to return fire. I think the unit has to have a judgment token, if I remember right. Yeah, that's the only... Yeah. That's the only requirement, is that they have to have a judgment token. And so far, we don't have any idea of how to give out judgment tokens, but I'm pretty sure it's going still stuff kind of around the same of do certain things or destroy units, which are the last faction focus that's up to date until as of tomorrow. Um, they really like destroying units. They like destroying everything because, yeah, blood for the blood god and stuff. So with the, just going back to Eye of the Ancestors, uh, each time enemy unit destroys a League of Votan unit from your army, that, that enemy unit gains a judgment token. So no more, it does an action, it, it um, controls mm, an objective, okay. it um, smiles at you funny, none of that. It's, it seems like it, if it kills something, it's going to get, people are going to get angry. So Okay, so I missed that bit. I I guess it would have been. I thought it would have been listed somewhere else, but no. I'm yeah. still uh, suspicious that the the high call. Remember, he had the ability where he could throw a judgment token on on a unit per turn. I hope that mm -hmm. went away because that was rude. That's the one that was like, I want to get the two for whatever you did. Oh, I need a third to get to get the uber bonus. Just throw the token on that unit. Yeah, but we are going to leave the Votan behind because they are still slow at five inches <laughs> and like like i mentioned we are going to scream for the blood for, blood for the blood god we're going to throw our guns at people and we're going to worship corn as we do it because the world eaters was the next faction focus so this one i had say kind of surprised me because we all kind of assumed the world eaters was a 10th edition codex that had to be retrofitted to ninth because it came out so late and I was really surprised how much they changed the blood tithe. You cut out real bad there, Eric. At least on audio on my end. Okay. <laughs> All right. You were cut out for a solid chunk of seconds. I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. The, you, you cut out on my end. I don't know what was up with that. All right. So, but yeah, as I caught you talking about the blood tithe. Yeah, I'm shocked they um, changed it. I don't know if I like it. Yeah. It, now, now the World Leaders player gets to play Yahtzee. So, yeah. The actual blessings of corn at the start of the bow round, you can make a blessing of corn roll. So this kind of plays like out plays out like the um, warp storm dice for the ninth edition demons codex, where you roll die and you're looking for numbers. To do so, you roll eight d sixes, because why not? And you use those dice to activate up to two blessings of corn from the blessing of corn list. Each blessing uh, requires specific dice results either a double a triple or higher uh I, when did we go to play Warcry? because this is exactly how their system works yeah it's oh well yeah kind of like the if i kill a lot i get a lot of to get a tokens if i sit back and huddle in the corner i don't get anything now it's just 
I can. I don't. It doesn't matter what I do. I just roll dice, and I'll hopefully get what I need. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But um, any doubles you can add two to your movement, to uh, to a unit. Now wait, but that's army wide, correct? Yeah, yeah army wide. Uh, any doubles also can give all your units a six up feel no pain. If they already had feel no pain, you get plus one to what you had. Uh, if you had doubles, but they're at least a three or higher. Uh, melee weapons get uh, sustain hits one. That's getting pretty good. Uh, doubles, fours, or any triples. Uh, what do you get here? Each summer model in this unit is destroyed by a melee attack. If that me- unit has not fought this phase, roll a six and a four up. Do not remove it from play. The destroyed model can fight after the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks. Then it's removed from play. So we'll fight on death thing. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, double fives or any triples melee weapons equipped with this uh, model in this unit have the lethal hits ability so six to hits cause automatic wounds and then double sixes or a triples with at least a four uh, this unit is eligible to declare a charge in turn which they advanced yeah which okay if you roll seven out of eight sixes you literally get all of this and it's kind of obnoxious so at first when i looked at this i kind of did some i didn't do some quick math but i kind of just got my old uh, dice rolling app and did a couple experiences and anecdotally i'm sure somebody statistically is going to tell me wrong uh it's really hard to get two sets of triples (laughs) oh yeah especially because you only have eight dice but um so I was like, okay, so basically there's a, you're going to probably get a double and a triple or two doubles, you know, because you can choose two of these. Okay, no big deal. Then you get to the data slate and I go, oh no, what is that? Yeah, so we get to look at the Berserkers. Uh, still toughness four, two wounds, like the classic Berserkers that we have now. They might as well not have pistols, but they have this Blood Surge, which right now is oh you've destroyed at least one model but the unit wasn't destroyed they moved d6 inches so it's from looking at it it still is effectively the same so the corn berserkers still walk forward if you don't wipe them out in a single shooting attack the um you can't do that while you're broken though so no instant morale for trying to wipe out a unit then they have the icon of corn so each time you make a blessing of corn roll if you are within the range of an objective marker, you get to re-roll one of the dice. So the question I have with this is if you're holding four objective markers and all four units have the icon, does that mean you're re-rolling four dice? Yes. That's what I thought. And that's where my head started to spin and go like, oh my god. All right. (laughs) So, and we will touch on Angron for a second because there's, if you read the table, there's no resurrecting Angron anymore. There's no constantly bringing back the big guy for him to mulch your opponent's army to death. Except there is. Now it's attached to Angron's data slate himself. So he's reborn, and each time you make a blessing of corn roll, if Angron is destroyed, you could use a triple six from the roll. This model is no longer destroyed and is placed into reserves with full health. Full health. Not the eight wounds that he used to do before. <laughs> so he is still incredibly fast at 14 inches. He has toughness 11, 
one of the first few times I think I've seen a double-digit odd number. And he still carries over his Wrathful Present, which is the, the pick and aura for him to have. Yep. And he's still a melee monstrosity. But a big change with his uh, picking his aura, unlike everybody else who has to do it in the command phase, he does so in the charge phase. So one, it helps when he comes in from deep strike, you can decide what am I swinging at. And number two, I feel vindicated because at the last tournament I ruled that he's down on the table, you can't choose one of his abilities. And the player just lost his lunch. He was not happy with me. <laughs> yep. Now it's a, he comes on the table, now you get to pick because it's a specific timing. And it's a flavorful thing of he just does what he does. Yep. And they're pretty cool. You know, plus one charge. Uh, there is, if you're below starting, uh, all units within six inches from the World Leader's Army. If you're below your starting uh, number, add one to the attacks characteristic with melee weapons. And uh, what's the right to slaughter? With uh, friendly uh, within six to this bottle, you can reroll hit rolls. So, mm -hmm. so if Angron lives long enough to get across the table with his boys, which I mean he should theoretically anyway, and you go, yep, righteous slaughter boys, and you charge like six different units, and you all keep them within six of Angron, reroll city, <laughs> just blah 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 blood. So. Pretty powerful stuff. Uh, the stratagem is, once again, another sticky objective one. A one World Eater unit from your army that has, was just destroyed while within range of objective marker you controlled. You can use the stratagem on that unit even though it was just destroyed. The objective marker remains under your control even if you have no models within range of it until your opponent controls it at the start of or end of any turn. Yep, so it's a... Your opponent has some game around this because they can... If they're trying to shoot you off of three objectives, they can try to shoot you off of whichever one is least important to them. Have you go sticky objective over there, and then they can just worry about taking over the more important objective. That's probably closer. I don't know. It's a thing called strategy, and I don't believe in that sometimes. <laughs> it seems pretty interesting, though, so I think I like it a lot. for um, for the. It's a fluffy way of making the objective sticky, so pretty cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you drown the thing in blood of course it's going to be sticky <laughs> jesus so uh as i mentioned earlier in the show uh robert and i did a thing uh we got together on saturday to play a game but it wasn't just any old game of 40k robert what did we do um well we frankensteined the tempest of war deck with some of the known rules of 10th so no we did not change any data slates so we're using our ninth edition codices um, we did use our sub-faction rules, but what rules did we use? Um, so characters had to start in units, and the abilities off of those characters got was attached specifically to that unit. And in this case, it also applied to the characters themselves. Um, the, the no consolidation unless you wipe the unit in the fight phase. And also the not standing on the middle of the objective <laughs> and being a butthole about it. <laughs> We also used the new terrain rules, and uh, I believe we also, yeah, we Frankenstein. So basically with the Tempest of War, we did the primary, and then each of us had two secondaries, and uh, we maxed out points based off of the new 10th edition rules. Um, I believe it was 50 for primary and 40 for secondary. Yeah, so it was a, it was a meeting of Custodes and Drakari, and <laughs> proof in putting that your army still made out of paper mache air i'm sorry absolutely but also you know it's one of those um 
I, I took the same list I, I've always been taking, and but it was very interesting how this is this is a pretty strong competitive list in the current ninth edition meta. It's very similar to what other players are playing, but it's amazing how things have changed in tenth edition. And I realized some basic things this way this army works will not work, and that was very eye opening very early on. So it's just like oh crap. So I really had a tough time like adapting on the fly. So that was kind of an issue. So specifically, uh, the way the army works is I've got everybody in transports, so they get an extra three inches when they jump out. Robert was nice enough to move forward on his turn one, so I didn't have to wait till turn two to take advantage of advance and charge. But generally, these little missiles go up, and they like the incubi go and hack something, and then the witches go out and go, oh, you think you held that objective? Let me charge on to that for you, and um, I'm objective secured. We're good. That didn't happen because objective secure is not a thing. So a lot of times I had to kill a minimum number of models to get Robert off the objective. We basically assumed troop choices. We had mostly infantry and, and transport, and I had mostly transports. So we deemed the OC of the witches would be two. Well, with a simple overwatch, you kill off one or two witches. All of a sudden I went from an OC of 10 to OC of six. So now I had to kill at least one or two of his models to regain that whereas before it was like automatic so that was a big change and i was like oh this is not going to be a thing yeah the and for my custodians to to simulate the everybody is two bodies on an objective already from ninth edition i did all of my infantry was an oc of three which when we were figuring out reserves and everything else and then that's when I brought up the, oh, characters have to be in units, right? And I suddenly went from having uh, one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I went from having eight drops to having four. But also you said something very insightful about the movement phase, your first movement phase. You're like, wow, this felt totally different. Because, mm -hmm. sure, I had not played anything besides 8th edition, ninth edition, which has independent characters. They just walk around on their own. They can't be targeted, blah, 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 all that wonderful stuff. But I'm no stranger to the idea of a character being attached to a unit because I did try out 30K once. I've watched enough Warhammer Fantasy to understand that a character is part of a unit. He takes a specific spot in the rank and file system, but the... The thing was, is I brought two banners, I brought Trajan, and I brought a bike captain. Well, I now suddenly had to pick which unit Trajan would be attached and which one would be the most beneficial. Well, Trajan literally did nothing because he was, had, <laughs> he was attached to a sword and board unit that was at the back of the line. Yeah, that was helpful. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, but instead, I had my my banners and whatnot attached to my Sagittarium and a different unit, which the Sagittarium still kept the auras off of the banners because it looks like the banners give off their aura ability still. But the witches essentially... Well, no, not the witches. Um, it was your first unit of Incubi with the really crazy show-stealer Succubus <laughs> walked in and went, well, that's three dead dudes off of just the succubus attacking. Yeah, she had the relic whip as well as the uh, warlord trait that allows um, six of the hit count as mortal wounds equal to the damage of the whip. It's a pretty standard build. But right off the bat, I'm thinking, oh, that's two enhancements already. Huh. I don't know if I'll be able to do that in 10th anymore. Yeah, I, I was sitting there walking around with 
Trajan's two warlord traits because he had to get two, a relic on my banner, um, a relic on my bike captain, which I totally forgot about, um, a warlord trait for him. Like I had something like five command points spent on a. There's no way I'm getting all of that. Right. I ran into an interesting. So we, yeah, we were, yeah, the succubus was powerful and all that. But one of the things that was bizarre was normally the succubus would charge one unit and the incubi would charge another. And then I used the show stealer ability to kind of slingshot her into the unit the incubi are going to swing into. And uh, just to keep her safe. Being that they're in the same unit didn't happen. You know, it was, it was just they kind of moved as a block. I was like, okay. Uh, same thing with Rizar. He was in a unit of Incubi as well. So normally, can't, I couldn't break him out and attack multiple units. So right off the bat, I was like, ooh, I am losing a lot of, of my firepower right off the bat. Another thing that happened was Robert moved his uh, bikes up into a, to an objective. And I was like, hmm, it's going to be a long charge, but I think I can nail him. In 8th and 9th edition, the way he had it positioned, his shield captain was the closest model. So I could have charged... Butchered the, or attempted to butcher the shield captain. My rolls were not with me that day, but uh, that's not the point. Um, and then consolidate into the rest of the bikes, knowing that they have lost a lot of their buffing abilities. Not anymore. He's part of the unit, so I could bang on him all I want, and he's going to allocate the wounds to the other guys. So mm-hmm. as these next few faction focused articles come out, I'm keeping a sharp eye out for sniper rules. And there is a rumor of a generic stratagem, and you kept making alluding to it, uh, Robert. Remember the old uh, I, I issue a challenge? Yeah, there was a lot of times in our game where it's like, okay, your your succubus and your incubi are fighting my Sagittarium with my light cover banner. Okay, I'm going to save my Sagittarium. I'm going to have my banner guy fight your succubus and not take any of those wounds right so supposedly the new challenge mechanic i know ptsd guys don't 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 <laughs> come come back to the light we're fine so basically he i would be able to block that for two cp you have to take it on the uh character now what's not clear is do i have to be in base-to-base contact with the character with the person who's doing those attacks not really sure but um that was one of the big rumors that came out over the weekend as well and the other thing that I know I did because I don't have flight stands that try to hug each other all the time. Um, the the being in base to base for the two ranks of fighting. I I did my best to try and make sure of that with my custodians. And there was a lot of times where it was like, in order to complete a charge, I have to get within base to base. I was like a tenth of an inch away from failing a charge at one point. And I'm just like, yikes, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I was interested in trying to figure out that part of it. Uh, Terrain-wise, it didn't feel all that different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because we all kind of use the standard keywords for every terrain in ninth edition. So with the new rules, it was just, do I get a cover save? Do I not get a cover save? I think you and I had a nice talk after the game. How many windows do your ruins need? And do, you know, we, do we have a mix? Do we have only a few windows for side one side has windows or only a certain number of ruins have windows and certain are, are solid walls not really sure yet with the with the right balances at this point yeah i'm i'm a firm believer in 
if you're going to make terrain that has a lot of windows, you make the windows kind of like asymmetrical. So one side on the lower floor has a couple of windows, but a couple of large panels to make up for it. And then the other wall is just completely blocked off. And then you just do the opposite on the next floor up, which you actually made a point on a couple of those buildings. Some of those older buildings, I could have literally just walked up to the second floor and go, hi, bang, 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 bang. So as Robert's talking about is the old um, city of death. Uh, these were more of a tile system. They were only three inches per floor. And then in eighth edition, when they came out with the larger five inch floors and the bigger units. So what that means is you can get to the uh, third floor in one movement phase, in which case you're more than six inches up and you get the plunging fire ability. The newer terrain is five inches per floor. You're, you need two turns of movement to get to plunging fire range. How is Games Workshop? I, I don't think they're really going to care as long as you buy the newer kits. I'm hoping the newer kits become available because they were not available on their website. So, and so far, all the promo pictures of for 10th edition seem to be showing the old terrain, the, uh, the new, the stuff that we saw in 8th and 9th. So I'm hoping those kits come out. But um, if you're DIYing it at home, keep that in mind. Is it a five inch or a three inch? And there's also quite a bit of third party makers. That's one reason why I didn't buy their stuff is because they still had the old three inch floors. They didn't make any changes. So I'm a little wary of how this is going to play out. Yeah, the the feeling I had playing custodes again was i'm not so much taking advantage of the plunging fire things because my entire army can now get cover my bikes can get a cover save i can actually have a normal armor save and then you shoot me with a dark lance and i go well that's an invuln um yeah that was pretty funny because but the, the dark lance is you know that's what it does it's a, it's our version of a last cannon I'd be curious. There's already talk on some of the Adeldari boards that they may bring back. So back in the old edition, uh, prior to eighth, the, the reason what a lance was different from a last cannon is that it topped out. Like if your armor was um, higher than twelve, so thirteens and fourteens, it reduced it back down to twelve. So it was still, mm-hmm. it, I could play your land raider pretty well, but um, I still had the same chances of killing a speeder at the same time so i definitely could see it having like anti-vehicle five moving forward yeah it's overall just the idea of my army not only being as durable as they normally are with an vulnerable save like that which i'm pretty sure is going to go away if not go away it's going to go to a five up and i'm going to cry because now i'm going to be just as tough as hard look ah <sighs> Yeah, I think you'll get a toughness buff, though. Yeah, I'll probably be like base toughness 6 or something yeah. like that. It'll be nuts. But the the idea of my army having a 2-plus armor save and a 5-up invuln and also benefiting from cover legitimately goes, I have a 2-up save and I ignore the first level of AP just like I always have. Right. It also hinted in that same rumor, and you can find this on Auspec T- Tactics. I want to credit the source for this. Supposedly, uh, two old favorite stratagems are coming back, and they're both reactive. Uh, pop smoke and uh, go to ground and basically what those do is plus one to your armor save so but you don't need to be in co- basically gives you the benefit of cover even if you're not in cover mm-hmm. so and popping smoke would probably be like a minus one to hit or something for the right vehicle keywords and whatnot they're not sure it seems to be um, plus one to armor save but the pop smoke is for vehicles and go to ground is for 
uh, infantry. Not sure if it's going to be for like cavalry and bikes. I don't think it will be, but um, yeah, I think that would only really apply to infantry because it would make sense. But I mean, I'll take being able to have a two-up save out in the open. Right. <laughs> so kind of nasty that way. Um, but it still follows the benefit of cover rules. So if you already have a three-up and against an AP zero attack, you won't bring it to a two up, but it's a nice way of negating AP one and stuff like that. Yeah. The the other thing that I do want to touch on our game is actually how the scoring worked. Yeah. Let's talk because about that. of yeah, because of the fact that the, the OC thing actually mattered, I was legitimately sitting there going, uh, how do I hold all these objectives when I can't throw my characters over there to go and take it? That's interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. Like the how fast your army moved you could have literally given up the middle of the table and just gone, I'm going to fight over these two on the outside and focus fire on things that I need to delete and then fly into my home objective because I left my home objective. I just went, nah, man. <laughs> like, let's go get these things. Yeah, I made a mistake early on. And uh, so one of my secondaries involved uh, doing something at the center of the table or on the center objective. And I knew it was a dumb idea, but I said, oh, let's give it a try. And um, I got burned for it. And um, But you absolutely hit it on the head, is that do what Drakari does best. Stay to the edges. Take, you know, especially because I had all those uh, Reaver bikes and the Hellions. Could have easily just taken the home objective as well as the, the ones on the corners. And then all the heavy heating units just take out the bikes. And all right, now you're going to walk and see what happens. My whopping six inches of Wait for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were you, yeah, we both did random uh, secondary. So we, we drew. So first thing, I made a mistake. When I read the article and then we actually played the game, I reread it and go, oh, that's correct. When you draw, you don't redraw. Uh, you only redraw when you complete the objective or there's specific times you're allowed to discard it. You can discard it at the end of your turn or you can discard it during the command phase. But you do when you do the command phase, it costs you a command point. So, for example, I got whoa, help me, Robert. What was it? Basically, I had to get thirty wounds worth of damage done. Yeah, you got no prisoners later on in the game, and against custodes, it's not that hard to get thirty wounds because you just need to kill ten dudes. But that's ten toughness five two up save guys, right? Um. My my first draws were hilarious. I got Bring It Down, which I had to chase after a raider, which you put all the way in the back. <laughs> and then I got um, like Storming the Home Objective or something, so I had to take your home objective in your deployment zone. Yeah. So that was dumb. And it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, okay, that was one of the problems with the old Maelstrom deck. And, um, yeah, the, the Necron player draws, you know, manifest psychic power. I'm like, are you kidding me? So that was unfortunate. I got, I had to hold the, the middle objective for full until my command phase and not, and you couldn't have anything within six inches. Some stupid like that. I was like, why would I do that? Yeah. So, yeah, like the, the, now, given the decks that we were using were substantially larger than what I think the secondary decks are going to be for 10th edition, um, and there's no telling what the standardized ones would be if you decided to just pick two and stay with them the whole game, because we were playing five objectives, and there was one that legitimately said all you have to do is hold two objectives in no man land for five points a turn. I'll take it. Right. Yeah, no, then the quick version, it's five points and you discard it. If you if it's you do fixed style, oh, 
I just have to be up here. Five points a turn. No problem. You know, just keep mm -hmm. racking up points. Uh, probably the biggest thing I think we kind of agreed on is um, if you're building your army. So my army is very faction focused. So I know because I can choose my secondaries. I'm all behind, all about behind enemy lines, and so I could. I don't know if that's going to be a fixed one moving forward, but that's what my army is designed for. Playing it with the random deck, I felt like it was the old ITC missions again, where it's uh, mm -hmm. hold one, hold two, or or hold more, and kill one, kill two, kill more. And my army was definitely not built for kill more, <laughs> especially against a, a very resilient army like uh, the Custodes. But um, so, yeah, that would be some of the changes I would start thinking ahead of how to build armies for 10. And, and that's actually a philosophy that I had for my custode was I intentionally brought a list that I think I would play in 10th edition at the start, where it's just a whole bunch of infantry bodies. And hopefully we can fight over the middle, which is what I want, because my bikes are insanely fast. I hide them behind a forest or a building so that way you can't shoot at them. And then when they come out, they fly forward, they countercharge you, and then they proceed into the rest of your army. Yeah. So it was interesting. I was just like, okay, I just, I just felt like, wow, this army is just totally not designed for this right now, what I've, what I've built. Um, going through the, uh, be curious to see what the final 10th edition deck looks like because there's always the objectives, you know, stand here, collect points. I, with the amount of fast-moving elements I had in my army, didn't feel like there was that many in the deck justified that many fast-moving units. So that's where I was like, mm -hmm. I needed, I probably, if I had to rebuild my army just for that game, probably would have ditched one or two of those and probably brought in some heavy hitter, like a Talos or something like that, just to um, hold down the middle, but also just, um, like you said, like a counterpunch. Yeah, I, for me, the only changes I would have brought would have been trying to bring a single Caladius, so that way I had something to tempt you to shoot at instead of my bikes, because Caladius just moves 14 inches, shoots at the radar that I needed for bring it down, and then you're instantly out of a Dark Lance. Right, so it was interesting. So no, I had a lot of fun, um, and definitely learned a lot in terms of, oh, this is going to be a little bit different. And uh, kind of looking at the data slates as well as these next faction focuses a little bit differently after uh, looking at you know how the game could be played at this point. Yep. So definitely be prepared for something weird and wacky with the Admic one that's supposedly coming out tomorrow. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that. Not just because it's um, it's a one of the factions here in the house, but um, that codex was one of the most complicated pieces. Of, of rules writing I've ever seen in my I mean it was on like Starfleet Battles level and, and it's one of those things where players were like well how come Admech needs so much more help from the data slate it's not it's not easy to play it's really hard to understand it so I'll be really curious to see what they did moving forward yeah it is going to because I know I had thought about playing Admech once because Admech was aesthetically pleasing to me because Robo Sages. Oh, they're, but, they're an amazing looking army. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise it's no, they're all spindly. They're just as bad as every other Eldar army. <laughs> Me and my ham fists, I would pick up my my Rangers and I would snap off their rifles. I was just like, no, don't worry about that. No, I all wanted to play because back when um, I started collecting the army, it was the Skatari and the Cult Mechanicus were separate. 
So I was mm-hmm. trying to get my hands on as many of the uh, servitor engines as possible. The I just something about my base uh, troop choice is T5 with three wounds in a, in a time when everything was T4, one wound was something very odd and different. So I can, can't wait to see what the new data slates look like for those guys. Yep. In general, it's going to be a, a very fun adventure. I, I want to see exactly what custodes do to see if we're obnoxious still. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You were uh, kind of struggling a little bit with your katas because you didn't have the deck with you. How are you going to feel playing without the katas? Oh, that, that's mental brain power that I'm instantly going to be like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was kind of hung up on uh, my sub-factions because you got to remember what Jakari you've got. I had um, Witch Cult as well as Dark Creed. And uh, granted, I'm leaning deep into a specific um, uh, couple a play style with those. All those go away. So part of me is like, oh, well, that's going to be disappointing. But then I go, okay, what does that open up? You know, what is the mm-hmm. attachment rules going to look like? And I'm also kind of curious what um, Funeral Pain is going to be. I have a feeling it's going to... Originally, I thought it would be identical to Blood Tithe. But then when I saw this roll eight dice nonsense, I was like, oh, I hope not. But um, it could be. I could I could definitely see them duplicating that to keep it simple. And uh, as, as cool as they are to hit, I hope they... Hope they simplify the the incubi thing. That whole blade artist uh, sixes to wound or additional AP minus one on additional damage. Just make it devastating wounds. <laughs> this would have been made so much easier. Yeah, but needless to say, tenth edition is going to be great. And for those again, local listeners, on May twenty seventh, I will be at the store of Tabletop Wargamers out in Goodyear, Arizona. If you would like to participate in a learn the 40k basics, it's a edition agnostic kind of thing because obviously we're transitioning to a new edition, but this is more of if you've wanted to learn the game or you have a friend who's wanting to learn or you just got into it, feel free to bring your own models if you have them and bring a codex if you have it. And we're just going to run through the basic, just rolling dice, how movement works, how certain mechanics work but nothing complicated no army rules just show up hit each other in the face learn something should be a lot of fun uh great way to get started now and get to get the feel of the game and then when when 10th edition is ready you can hit the ground running so pretty cool robert anything else we missed from both updates in our game um no outside of the fact that um, random thing. My Marvel Crisis Protocol collection is growing rapidly. I now have a whole bunch of X-Men and I have a problem, Eric. There's no such thing as a problem if you're collecting X-Men. But it's interesting how many Marvel Crisis Protocol games were going on around us while we were playing our game. Yeah, I actually had one right before we played. So you have to teach me how to play that. I have it and I have more X-Men as well as other characters that I, more than I want to admit, I have no idea how to play this game. So, Well, if you're free on another Saturday, we can make that happen. But anyways, yep, there we go. So anyway, um, more to come. So we'll take a look at more of the previews and um, keep you guys abreast of all the changes. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. <laughs> Thank you.